My name is Jay Lasseter, and I am perhaps the most notorious ex-drug addict in all of New Jersey. Angry, scary, mind-numbing, tragic stories about statistics, that's not good enough. We need to start incorporating more input from drug users. This is Heroin Uncut, the truth about the crisis, brought to you by NJ1015.com and made possible by Carrier Clinic. Today, we're going to talk about the increasingly prominent role that Narcan plays in New Jersey's heroin crisis. So you may already know that Narcan, also known as naloxone, is a drug that's used to reverse an overdose. It shuts down the receptors in the brain that respond to opiates. And in doing so, it can quite literally bring a drug user back from the brink of an overdose. It's a lifesaver many times over, and it's an indispensable tool in our arsenal to face this crisis. Recently, Chris Christie signed legislation that would make Narcan available without a prescription. 1,600 people in New Jersey died in 2015 of an opiate overdose. That's four times the number of people who were murdered in New Jersey in 2015, and three times the number of people who were killed in an automobile accident. The idea that we developed and implemented to train every EMS and first responder in the state to use Narcan, to supply Narcan in every one of the 21 counties is making an enormous difference in saving lives. I was at Integrity House last week and spoke to um, folks who were in there for treatment now, um, and every one of them around the table had been saved by Narcan at least once, and a number of them had been saved by Narcan multiple times. In fact, Narcan has been used over 18,000 times since 2014 to reverse an opiate overdose right here in New Jersey. But here's my take. Yes, Narcan is a lifesaver in extreme cases, but it's hardly a sign of how much progress we're making on this issue. Rather, our over-reliance on Narcan, it's a sign of our failure. It's proof how far into the abyss we've already fallen. Because here's another inconvenient truth bomb. By the time Narcan enters the picture, in many cases, it's already too late. As noted by Brian Effort, an academic at Rutgers University, Camden, whose entire academic career has been devoted to a better approach to New Jersey's heroin crisis. So we shouldn't be here. We should not be celebrating the fact that we've systemically let an addiction epidemic get so out of hand that we now require emergency responders and teachers to be equipped with an overdose antidote. The overall problem is addiction. So what are we doing to address the underlying cause of opioid and heroin addiction? So how do we get here? What's the impetus for this moment? One of the reasons why the hospitals are trigger happy on prescriptions is because of the way that they are evaluated based upon patient satisfaction. Federal and state lawmakers need to push further and make sure that hospitals no longer are so dependent on patient satisfaction for federal and state funding. So that way hospitals actually can treat patients without side effects such as addiction, and then the patients still leave happy. The fact that federal funds are tied to patient satisfaction based on their pain seems like we're almost setting ourselves up for needing Narcan down the road. It's almost like that explains how we got here in the first place. Exactly. He's right. 
and it's backed up by a physician who's been administering Narcan since the 1970s, since long before it was common like today. He wanted to remain anonymous, so we'll call him Dr. Doe. Absolutely. I can be. I can remember as a resident in surgery, the patients would complain of pain after surgery, and we'd give them a dose or a couple of doses, and these were like major operations. But things changed uh, with the, I guess, the release of, of the long-acting narcotics, probably late 80s. And there was literature that the, narco- that the companies brought out saying that the people in nursing homes were suffering terrible pain and uh, pediatric care was uh, under-medicated, as were post-op surgical patients. So I actually felt guilty, and I think a lot of doctors did, and we started using the long-acting narcotics. And we were told that the long-acting narcotics had a slow onset and the patient couldn't become addicted and there wouldn't be any withdrawal and things like that, but that really wasn't true. Because nobody wants somebody who's you know in severe pain to suffer. I, I think everybody could agree on that, but to play on those sensibilities and those sympathies while they're marketing something, maybe not quite in a straightforward manner, and then the next thing you know, we've institutionalized Narcan. <laughs> right. We were lucky to connect with Anthony of Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. He is a friend of a friend and, like me, a former IV drug user. He was actually revived with Narcan, and I was curious to find out exactly how that scene played out. My name's Anthony, and uh, my experience with Narcan was uh, I was overdosed on heroin, obviously, and um, I was uh, rescued by uh, some uh, good people in an ambulance. Wow. So when you came to, did you like know what was happening? Were you surprised or like what was going through your head the minute you came to? It's actually a very strange story. I've never, I've actually never really heard anybody else describe it. So I don't really, so I don't really know what to compare it to, but uh, I really thought that I was at a party and I was sitting on a couch. There were like party sounds around me and there was a sense of comfort. I, then I started to feel uh, like air blowing on my face, which was the mask, uh, the oxygen mask. Right. And uh, I tried to sit up and I couldn't see. My eyes were open, but I couldn't see anything. The uh, paramedics were, were pushing me back down to lay back down. And I mean, I, that's when I realized that, that, you know, there was I definitely was not at a party sitting on a couch. It took you a second or two just to register that <laughs> that you were not, in fact, at a party, that this was obviously much more serious. I mean, were you, were you like, grateful? I mean, were you happy that you were alive, or were you mad that they had countered your buzz? Uh, no, absolutely not. Was I, I was definitely not mad. I was far from angry. I was in shock. You know, it was just one bag. And I was using many more than one before. So, you know, I didn't think anything of it. I mean, you had been a heroin user for a while. You went to jail, you detoxed, and then you got out. And then you did your first bag out of jail, which was a lot less than you had done before. And yet, you know, without having a tolerance built up, you overdosed on it. Oh, yeah, immediately. Wow. I was in, the, I was in a friend's car and she, she called the police. Oh, she called 911. Thank God. I mean, the police chief that is in, that lives in my town currently was actually the guy who rescued me that day when the, wow. uh, and the ambulance came and, and got me. I was scared. There was shock because I had, I had no idea that like I had, you know, like, oh my God, I almost died. You know, like I'll tell you right now, every heroin addict thinks they're, you know, they're not the one that's going to overdose. Right. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> I, I would. <laughs> it's not going to be me. 
And when it actually happened and I was being rescued, there was an unbelievable shock, uh, a fear. Oh, my God, am I going to get in trouble because, you know, I just you know, was in trouble before. There's so many different feelings, but honestly, there's a lot of gratitude. I mean, I, I just couldn't believe that I had almost died and I'm not dead. You know, the, the police chief currently, I'm going to call him a chief now because that's what he is and he deserves that respect. But at the time, you know, he was a detective and he was waiting for me in the hospital room and I was so weak. I don't know, you, you hear these people say that there, there's these stories of people being like overpoweringly strong or flipping out. I didn't even have enough power to lift my head up. Wow. He came in and he, you know, and, and he was, honestly, he was so kind. And he said, you know, you're you're in no shape to go down to the police station. We'll send you something in the mail. And I hope, you, you know, you're all right. But that and that was his discretion. Him. I mean, he could have probably taken you to jail. Absolutely, he could have. Our city is one of two in Pennsylvania. You can go to the police station and hand in your drugs or paraphernalia and instead of them arresting you they'll take you to they'll take you to treatment and now we're going to take a quick break to hear from the sponsor for heroin uncut carrier clinic we'll be right back new jersey 101.5's exclusive series heroin uncut is made possible in part by carrier clinic those suffering with mental illness or addiction need care new jersey's carrier clinic offers compassionate care redefining behavioral health care with holistic approaches beyond medicine when it's time to think about behavioral health care, think Carrier. Learn more at CarrierClinic.org. That more holistic, less punitive approach that Anthony described was also recently adopted in Ocean County, New Jersey, which is the epicenter of the Garden State's heroin crisis. It's an acknowledgement that Narcan is only the beginning. So we reached out to Ocean County's top cop, to get the story. Okay, my name is Joe Coronado. I am the Ocean County Prosecutor. And what we've done is is that we've we've instituted several programs here in Ocean County that I think um, um, can um, can make a difference. There are recovery coaches now. So when a police officer uh, comes across somebody who's overdosed and they've used Narcan, better known as naloxone, um, they're, they're, in my county, we've ordered all the police to, to present them to a hospital. They come into the emergency room, and there they're met with a recovery coach. Kicking heroin is hard, and having someone at your side obviously makes that a little bit easier. And recovery coaching helps with little things like um, AA meetings and medical issues and sorting out your credit and issues with your family, whatever might come up, because... When you're in the beginning of your recovery, laying that solid foundation is critical. We've been very successful for, with, with regard to that, and that program now has spread to other counties and other facilities, which we're th- thrilled with. Um, I can't, I, my belief that needs to evolve, they needs to, that program needs to evolve a little bit, but it's a great program, um, and it's made a difference in many, many people's lives. But then it became apparent to us here in Ocean County um, that not only did you have to wait until you overdosed before you got this help, then we decided to do the heart program, which we call the Blue Heart program. That means you can walk into a police station, and if you want help, we're going to give you help. And what will happen is you walk into the police station, um, that you will not be charged. Um, they'll ask you several different questions um, uh, 
about a little bit about your problem, what you have. At that point in time, you then will be taken to uh, for clinical analysis, and their clinician will do an analysis of that individual, and then we will get you into a detox facility and eventually into a treatment facility. So that was what happened with Anthony, who was lucky enough to be shown grace by a really thoughtful cop who was smart enough to know that we can't arrest our way out of this crisis. And guess what? Anthony is still heroin-free 16 years later, and a lot of that had to do with what happened after the Narcan. But we want to follow up. We want to find on a weekly basis how you're doing in these programs, and we want to carry it all the way through into sober living, and then we're going to continue to track you as always, because what we're interested is in outcomes, and what we're meaning is that we want successful outcomes. Tough love with emphasis on tough and love. That's right. And the bottom line is, is that that continuum of care is important. I think that just moving from, let's say, a detox facility into a treatment facility, but not following through is, in, is not the right way to go because that, that there's a chance that that outcome is not going to be a good outcome. And once a person completes treatment and then they need to go into a sober living or into a halfway house at some sort of point in time, I think so you're actually kind of playing the scene all the way through. It seems like in a lot of cases, we revive someone and that's regarded as a success. And then that's it. I consider a lost opportunity. I'm, you know, when somebody come in, if we just sat there and, and used naloxone and Narcan and just saved that person, that's a lost opportunity. For us, what we really need to do is have true follow-up. And now we need to track it. We need to, to, we need to have that person, for lack of better words, married up. There needs to be, there needs, there needs to be a partner that, that, that walks with that person, that person um, an extension, so that when that person has a problem, that person who has that issue, whether it's on a Friday night, a Tuesday night, Sunday morning, whatever the case, that he can reach out and touch a live human being. And uh, hopefully that's what, the, that's what the recovery coaches can provide. Ocean County Prosecutor Joe Coronado then confirmed what's really behind New Jersey's soaring mortality rate. It's fentanyl. It's a pharmaceutical-grade opiate that's 60 times more powerful than heroin. What we're finding out now, back in 2014 here in Ocean County, 10% of our packets had fentanyl in it. Back in 2015, 30% of our packets had fentanyl in it. In 2016, 65% of our packets had fentanyl in it. So the bottom line, that's why I've ordered the police, because they don't know what type of opiates in that person's system, okay, to be taken to the to the emergency room so that we can watch them and then we give a better chance of, of, of being able to save that life at that moment, to get them while the teardrops are warm. That's a very sobering concept, to get them while the teardrops are warm. Um, I'm looking actually at your cheat sheet for um, usually the number of overdoses the last several years, and these are the number of reversals, and you were mentioning that when fentanyl came on the scene, Overdoses spiked and opiate reversals spiked as well. You guys did a lot of Narcan last year. Yeah, and and again, if we just if we just use Narcan again, I consider that to be a lost opportunity. I realize that we need to come out with other programs. Otherwise, all we would do is is just be, you know recycling these people it's like a narcan carousel yeah and that's not that's not what we want to do we want to save a life but what we really need to do is break the cycle of addiction a follow-up through an actual follow-up through of care so that we can make a difference in somebody's life and at the end of the day isn't that what we're all trying to do is make a positive difference in some addict's life so if you're a cop or a police chief or a county prosecutor, that probably means um, knowing when to send them to the emergency room instead of when to send them to jail. Or if you're a doctor, maybe it means giving them one or two pain pills instead of like a hundred. If you're a voter, 
it means demanding more of your politicians. Every legislator in Trenton is up for re-election this year. Every single one of them. So it's perfectly acceptable that you should be reminding them about New Jersey's body count from now until November 8th. And the media, you know, we have a role too. Uh, angry, scary, mind-numbing, tragic stories um, about statistics, that's not good enough. And we need to start incorporating more input from drug users and especially from ex-drug users. And finally, if you're a politician who wants to make a difference in a heroin addict's life, then for God's sakes, it's time to do more than just Narcan. An ounce of prevention is worth a ton of cure. So how about we set our sights more squarely on preventing that Narcan emergency in the first place? That's all for now. I'm Jay Lasseter. This has been Heroin Uncut presented by NJ1015.com and sponsored by our friends at the Carrier Clinic. Please subscribe to the Heroin Uncut podcast at iTunes, Google Play, or at the nj 1015 app. Until next time, please let us know what you think. We're on Twitter and Facebook at Heroin Uncut, and I hope you'll head over there now and let us know what's on your mind. What is behavioral health care? Uh, help with their emotional and mental health. I've heard of it, but I don't know. Carrier Clinic thinks differently about behavioral health care, applying new scientific advances to treat mental illness and addiction, replacing routine care programs with alternative treatments and new measurable levels of compassionate care, leading to better patient outcomes. For the best in behavioral health care, think Carrier. For more information, visit carrierclinic.org.